Hello friends, I hope you're doing well. I am Ryan Stevens and I am excited to bring you the Catalyzing Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the next episode of the Catalyzing Podcast, Episode 4. It's been really exciting uh, being able to bring these to you, and I'm really appreciative of all who have sent feedback to me uh, with uh, feedback on the episodes, uh, things that they've loved, things that could be a little better, and and that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep rocking with these and and really try and bring you as much value as we can um, for those athletic trainers out there that... Uh, just uh, either need a little pick me up or you know need some new insights on different topics that we don't a lot of times talk about, or maybe you know what maybe we're going to delve deep into some clinical stuff which we're definitely going to be doing as well at times. Um, but that being said, I hope you've uh, enjoyed the first few podcasts. You're listening now, but if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do. That way, you don't miss an episode and you get notified of that. We're pretty much on all platforms now. And, um, you know, it's been a great journey. So I look forward to continue to doing this with you as we continue to move forward. I'm always looking for some interesting topics to uh, bring for this, uh, this show. And today is no different than that. I mean, we're talking about a, a certified athletic trainer who doubles as a financial planner. You don't find those too often. But Matt Shade and I, we connected and he's that guy and it's time to be inspired by a story once again and to get deeply reflective. On this episode, I'm going to have a conversation with Matt where we're going to talk about everything from financial challenges that we as athletic trainers face at various stages of our life and career. Uh, we're also going to talk about tips for seeking promotions and how to you know, work, work your way up the ladder, as well as talk about some things. Uh, Matt gives some great advice for managing your budget at your school, at your workplace, if that's an area of responsibility that you have to take care of. A little background on Matt. He graduated from Westchester University and uh, got his bachelor's degree in athletic training there, and he also got his master's degree at the College of New Jersey. Matt has been uh, working in the interscholastic uh, setting at first. He worked at Newburgh, New Hope Solberry High School, Delaware County Christian School, Gwynn Mercy School, and he also worked in the office setting as a physician extender uh, before advancing into administrative roles as sports medicine supervisor. And he also became an athletic director. So he's done a lot of really great things in his career. Um, but ultimately, his career path was uh, really unique in that he led him to a a passion for educating and mentoring other athletic trainers, as well as a passion in the realm of finance. And this passion led him to pursue a career, become a financial representative for Northwestern Mutual. And, you know, he he's rocking things right now. It's really exciting. He's sort of becoming known as the the financial advisor for athletic trainers around the country. And I'm um, excited to see him, him grow in that realm. Matt Scott is uh his wife Stacy and his uh, sons uh, Jacob and Jonathan at home, and he's a great guy, very well rounded. Um, it's more than just about the career with him, and it's been a pleasure getting to know him. So, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Make sure afterwards uh, you hit us up with those comments. Here we go, Matt Shade and Ryan Stevens talking finance. Here we go. 
All right, Matt, uh, good to see you, buddy. Uh, welcome to uh, the Catalyzing Podcast for Athletic Trainers. Really glad to have you on the, the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I, I, I told a little bit about your background to everyone in the intro, um, but uh, let's get right into the conversation. Can you kind of tell how your journey occurred from you being a certified athletic trainer to now where you work within you know, financial planning for Northwestern Mutual? What, how that journey happened? What's the story there? Yeah, so I started my career um, right out of the gate in the traditional settings. I went into the high school setting as an athletic trainer, worked my way up into the college setting. I was a physician extender, eventually became a sports medicine supervisor and an athletic director. And back in about three years into my career, I had an opportunity with a startup company. And unfortunately, uh, it was a struggle. The company went bankrupt and I had my first major personal financial setback during that time. And along my path, I realized that in talking with my colleagues, my peers, and supervising athletic trainers, there's a common flaw in the industry, and we're not taught anything about financial planning. And so about three years ago, I had a calling that my, my ultimate goal would be to serve athletic trainers from a financial planning standpoint, and I started off on that career path, and then I made the full leap into it uh, this past year. I think that's great and, and and you know whether you're an athletic trainer or not I think everyone can vet, can really have value in their life by getting coaching in the financial realm both in the personal side as well as for your business and I don't know if there's a lot of financial planners out there that truly understand the lifestyle of an athletic trainer or the business of athletic training and that's why it's really great that you're doing this for uh, as a part of our profession. Yeah and the one thing I found this early in my career is it's about relationships because at the end of the day when you're talking to people finances it's an intimate topic right like yeah. it's kind of personal we're not trained to talk about this and so being able to really relate and understand where people are coming from is a huge value add yeah um, what was the what was the eye-opener because I know a little bit about your, your story and the personal side of it what was the eye-opener for you that really made you realize you yourself needed to do a self-check about your financial situation and, and your plan for the long term yeah, so again, it, this was back in 2009, yeah. and I had joined a startup company. I took a risk. I was in the college setting at the time. Right. I had a comfortable you know, salary, uh, comfortable benefits. I took the leap of faith, and unfortunately, that business venture failed. Right. And at the time, my wife and I, we had just bought a house. We had a mortgage, yeah. and I was left with, I was overseeing three high school athletic training contracts, and on a Friday morning, I woke up, went downstairs, opened my bank account, and it said that I had zero dollars in my bank account yeah. and it was a payday. And that was the first red flag. And long story short, I went three months with no income plus paying out of pocket to help sustain my athletic trainers under me, you know, safe face with the contracts and the high schools that we had. Yeah. And uh, that three month setback set me back personally over two years. Wow. And that's a testament to your character. You know, I don't know if everybody, um, you know, it, it, that's a hard thing to do. And you know the fact that again, athletic trainers putting everybody else first. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, uh, at your own sacrifice, you made sure your team was taken care of. But um, you know, I'm sure I can imagine how difficult of a situation that must have been for for you and your family. And I think a big part of financial health is planning for things that are both expected and unexpected. And at different phases of our life, we have different needs. You know what. Thinking from the perspective of young athletic trainers just getting into their career, maybe finishing up the tail end of their, their educational program, 
what are some things they should be thinking about as a young professional or at the, the start of their career from the financial perspective? Yeah, when it, what, bottom line, it's simple, it's cash flow, right? Everything is around creating cash flow for yourself. You're either gonna be saving money or you're gonna be spending money. Yeah. And all of us have a finite amount of money to work with, whether you're making $10,000 or a million dollars, it's every dollar has to have a purpose and where you're spending it. So it's not how much money you make, but it's how you manage it right out of the gate. So as a young professional, it's really setting a budget for yourself early that is a sustainable budget throughout your life. Yeah, that's funny. I saw a, um, I was, I believe it was Gary V posted something about how, you know, when you're uh, young 20s in college, you know, the amount of money you spend going out to the bar and on a weekend, and he didn't do that, um, and how much money that ended up making him because he took that money and invested it, and that's something, we don't think about that. I didn't think about that. I didn't start saving money when I was, you know, in my young, my early 20s. Um, just don't think about it, and what, what can help people keep that top of mind, you know, give almost like a reality check, because you're thinking, ah, I'll do that later, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's just it, and sometimes, you know, if it's looking 40 years down the road, it's hard, right? And as a young professional, not having gone through it, right, you might have a little bit of idea from where your parents are, mm -hmm. or who raised you, guardians, but looking long-term, um, that's where I say, it's okay to go to a professional, because a professional has seen it, right, and they can anticipate, they take the emotion out of it. When you're fresh out of school, as you just care about going to the bars on the weekends, yeah. right? And you're living in the moment. But just making small steps now can have a very long-lasting impact. And what you want to be able to do is set yourself up so that in 15, 20 years, you have options available for you as you start, you know, maybe you have a family, you have a house, um, have to put your kids through college. You want to make sure you have options available. And then same as you are in retirement, the more options you have, the less risk and the less, you know, Time you might have to work you know you might be able to speed up retirement mm -hmm. by starting early and it again this is a marathon race this is not a sprint so from day one you start having to look with a 40 50 I mean if you're 20 years old and you're looking to live into age 90 that's 70 years yep <laughs> that we're making our money work for us mm -hmm. and when you talked about the importance of you know cash flow being the number one thing and budgeting and being you know organized with it are you referring to working you know, multiple jobs or just doing anything you can to bring in revenue so you kind of start to stockpile it or is there something else that you're meaning by cash flow really depends on the individual okay. right and it's what your your personality is and what you want for yourself and what your goals are so sometimes yeah if you've already built a lifestyle and if you're spending a hundred percent right now on like your fixed expenditures so that's your house your car yeah. you know you built that lifestyle well, then yeah, if you want to achieve goals, maybe buying a vacation house or making sure you have enough for retirement, mm -hmm. then you might have to pick up extra work. But if you're content and you can you know, maybe have a more modest lifestyle and live within the budget, then you don't need to pick up extra work. So it's really about showing options and creating um, different um, revenue streams for yourself that fit your lifestyle. And that's not always easy as an athletic trainer, is it? You it's know, not. With our schedule, or especially if you're a, a secondary school or a college athletic trainer, if you don't necessarily have a lot of PTO, paid time off, or vacation time besides just June or July, um, you know, sometimes I think you might have to go outside your wheelhouse to start 
finding ways to make some revenue. For example, I that's what I got into fitness coaching, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I needed to do something outside of athletic training that could help me get a little more personal revenue, and and that was actually a really great thing that I did. It helped me out tremendously. Um, but I think it's important for ATs to kind of think, how what, what are my other skills and what are my other gifts, and is there another way I could make make some money outside of athletic training? Because it's tough to sometimes find things that are only in your profession. Um, you know, you get that great job, you get those those great opportunities, but then you don't have a whole lot of time outside of that, or maybe you have a company that doesn't allow you to work other athletic training jobs. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that could restrict people with that. So, you know, what are some strategies that you think for, you know, whether it's a side gig or just other ways of creative ways of, of making a little extra cash flow when you're when you're in your young twenties and you're just getting early in your career? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty with athletic training, right? Because we have so many different ways that we can make extra money. Um, I, myself, full disclosure, I still do some brace fitting with, mm-hmm. with a local DME company. Awesome. And I just pick up clients on the side, fit braces for them. And A, it keeps me in the trenches, but yep. B, it's, it's nice to have that little extra money that is discretionary for me and my family at the end of the month. Um, so as a young professional entering the career, you know, if you're able to, there's like if you don't have not compete clauses yeah. or anything like that, you know, pick up the per diem um, coverage. You have opportunities to do strength and conditioning on side, be a personal trainer, um, even just working in a physical therapy clinic as an aide, a couple, you know, maybe four mm-hmm. hours, eight hours, um, picking up part time work here and there, and um, you know, always I'm a firm believer just keeping options open. I think it's also important too, young in your career, because part of this also is professional growth. So not just, I mean, of course, you get what you can get, but trying to find side gigs or secondary jobs that actually help you grow professionally. You mentioned that, you know, working in a, as an aide as a PT clinic, you know, that way you can develop relationships with the PTs and learn treatment approaches from them or, you know, doing the, the bracing DME, learning that as a, as a skill set. Those are great ways that you can make extra money, but you're still also helping your career um, versus doing something that maybe you don't feel passionate about, that you're not going to like going to work every day. Because we know if you're not happy at work, you don't want to be there. It affects your morale yeah. and, and you know it just it affects everything outside of that too as well. Um, getting back to those strategies for young professionals, mm-hmm. what are some areas you think that they should invest in? Now, you know, full disclosure, everybody's, of course, different in their situation, but are there certain things that young, you know, younger people in their in their early twenties should be investing in, or certain types of accounts they should have? Yeah. So you know, starting off um, again doesn't apply to everyone, but you really want to build out of the gate is your foundation. Okay. And when you build a financial plan, the first step is protection. And in protection, you have your life insurance, your disability insurance, emergency savings. Okay. Because going back to my instance in two thousand nine when you know it was a three month setback but because i did not have three months of emergency savings sitting there now i had a dip rate into my credit cards right and i had in my personal loans so you want to be able to build up that liquid cash have it there and then from the disability life insurance side we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow right but our most valuable asset is the ability to make income and bring income home so if we can do for a very small amount, we're able to protect 100% of our income and make sure that our family and our loved ones are also taken care of. And 
The thing with the protection end, it's based on your age and your health. Mm-hmm. So the younger you are and the healthier you are, the less premium you're going to pay. And true story, I just had this happen to me uh, within the last month where I had a client, 52 years old, right? Had been living a great life. His wife decided to make a career change and it was a risk. It was going into her own business, which was fine. And he called me up, he's like, hey Matt, I now need disability insurance. We never needed it before. And I said, you know, I agree. He's like, but I need it now. I ran the rate for him. It was almost $300 a month. He's like, I remember having this conversation 20 years ago. It would have cost me like 30 bucks a month. Yeah. And again, you don't know where life's going to take you. And so sometimes yeah, you put it off, but down the road, it's like, okay, what would you rather be paying on your monthly budget? $25, $30 or $200, $300? Right. Yeah. And again, make that sacrifice young. You know, $20, $30 a month could be a lot to someone who is not making a lot of money in their 20s, but we forget that what's it going to cost me later <laughs> exactly <laughs> but don't do it now while I'm still healthy <laughs> yeah yeah and that's again um, from working with any type of professional we take the emotion out of it yeah like we know that it's going to be tough you know regardless of where stage you're at anytime you're spending money it's a difficult conversation to think about but we try to take what is in your best interest long term absolutely Let's fast forward to uh, our 30s. You know, we we start to get married. We start to have kids like you and I. Things change. You start to make a little more money in your career, hopefully. Um, But there's also more expenses. What's the financial strategy in your 30s in that next phase of your life? Again, it comes back to creating the cash flow, right? And like you said, when you have kids and you have family mortgage, your expenditures go up faster than most time what our salaries are going up. Yeah. So you have to be much more conscientious of your budget. Um, and for a lot of us, that is the time again to make sure that we're covered from a risk management side with that in place. And now we really focus on optimizing our money and really where are we putting that money so that we're creating this midterm and long-term buckets because it's that life stage 30, 40s is probably the most chaotic time for anyone's life when it comes to financial planning, right? Because you're trying to get your kids <laughs> and your mortgage, all that. Yep. But now retirement's not that far away. Instead of being 40 years away, you're down to 20 years. And it's like, okay, you know, I have to really start working on that or I'm not going to have money at retirement. Yeah. So it's going through that process and seeing where, not only in your retirement account, but tax advantages. That's the beauty of when you have kids, you start owning a house, there's a lot of tax advantages that come into play and you really start trying to u- utilize that to your advantage. One of the benefits of me having four kids is the great tax break. <laughs> you love April every year. That's right. right. Tax return. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're right. That as you get into that phase of your life in your 30s, even your 40s, so much changes, so many other dynamics come into play that affect your cash flow, that affect you know your security. And then you have curveballs and you have unexpected situations. I think as a little side note, one of the biggest things that we can do is teach young young people and even as, low, as our high school students the art of you know of, of negotiation and how to really make sure that you value yourself so that when you're going into jobs, you're getting what you're you're paid you're getting paid what you're worth. Um, or if you feel you deserve a raise. You're not just going in and say, I want to raise, but you're knowing how to have that conversation. So you show them and then you make them realize and feel 
that you truly deserve that raise. And this goes along with what you're talking about, about cash flow. It's not just getting extra jobs. Sometimes it's being a rock star in your current job and then justifying and showing your value and making it so that the, the decision makers that you work for, whoever they may be, can't argue with the value that you bring. And if they do argue with it, even though you're showing it, that's where you look for other opportunities if that would make you happier too. Um, what's some advice you have in that realm in terms of maximizing your income in a position or trying to ask for a raise? Yeah, so documentation is key, right? Uh, tracking every athlete that comes in that athletic training room, uh, the amount of hours that you spend providing it. If you're able to um, you know, sit down and really talk with your athletic director, right, and build that relationship from the gate and also know who the other key stakeholders are, you know, if you're in the school or whatever company you're in. Um, you know, a lot of companies, there's the management team or there might be board of directors, school boards in the school setting. And usually there's someone there that has a soft spot for the athletic trainer, right? Or for athletics or for wellness. And just sit down and have a cup of coffee with them and um, really learn about their story, what they would like to see happen. And you know, you can then, eventually the conversation is gonna come around and they're gonna say, well, what do you need? And that gives you that opportunity to say, well, hey, you know, this is what I'm currently doing. This is my long-term vision here with you. And however, you know, I think I'm worth a little bit more than what I'm currently making, but you have to have that, that proof, you know, on the value that you're bringing to them. It starts with documentation and having a plan. And whether it's on the personal side or business side, having that written plan, it's our emergency action plan. Yeah. You know, we're not going to turn to it every single day, but when that opportunity arises or when you have on the personal side, a life changing event, you have your plan to go back to and say, all right, this is where I need to get to. And this is what I, the steps that I put in place for myself to make sure I can achieve it. That's a great point. That's something that we need to, to keep in mind as we're going through those those parts of our career, the early phase and, and you know, that intermediate phase. And then, then let's look at that that late stage in your career. You know, the, the studies show that professionals make more money typically in their, you know, mid to late forties through mid to late fifties than they do the rest of their life combined in a sense. So most of us, as we're climbing the ladder or we're finding a job that's our niche or we're finding our passion, we're finding ways to really completely maximize our contribution in, in our role professionally, there is more cash flow at that point and things are a little different. Your kids are growing up. What are some financial strategies for later in your career as you're getting close to that retirement age? And what are some things that change? Um, what, what should you be thinking about? Yeah, so it comes down to distribution at that point. Okay, it's the distribution strategy that you put in. So all the money that you've been working hard for over 30, 40 years of your career, now that's all sitting there. And how is that gonna get paid out to you over the next 30, 40 years? Mm -hmm. And where are the tax breaks? Um, you know, it's funny, there's an analogy we use a lot of times, financial planning, but Mount Everest, right? Mm -hmm. People that climb and they ascend Mount Everest, that's not where the injuries and the deaths occur. It occurs on the descent. Financial planning is the same way. We're so, in our careers, we're working hard, we're saving money, we're accumulating money, but if that money can't last us from the age of, let's say you retire at 65, and you know, average male now is about 92, mm -hmm. we have to make sure that money lasts us that number of years because your ability to earn income is going away. Right. So, um, so what we really start looking at is 
the buckets that your money's in. And that comes, the biggest thing that hurts a lot of people is taxes. Um, let's say you have a company and you're contributing all your money into a 401k. And a lot of young professionals are like, nope, I got my retirement taken care of. I'm putting my 401k, they're matching. Problem is, you're not getting taxed on that money. So at the age of 66, 67, whenever you start pulling it out, guess what? You're paying tax on it. Mm -hmm. So you may have a million dollars sitting there, but maybe you've uh, reached a different tax bracket and now you're paying a 30% tax on that income. So a million dollars is only worth 700,000. And now, shoot, I have a $300,000 deficit in my retirement yeah. plan. Yeah. So it's really putting strategies in a place. As you get closer, we go into more conservative type portfolios. We're not investing in the stock markets as much. Mm -hmm. We go a little bit more conservative approach. And then we also make sure for tax purposes where your money's situated. So it's uh, hopefully one day we can retire with the, <laughs> the way things are going, but that, that's a great strategy to, to have in mind as you get to that late stage and then you start to get to that point where you hopefully you can retire because I think we've all worked to the point where we earn that. You know, we've grinded throughout our career and our kids grow up and we want to be grandparents and we want to enjoy, you know, the, the fruits of our labors over the years. So that's, that's great adv advice. Let's talk on the business side a little bit. We mentioned yeah. that stuff a little bit um, through that conversation, but... You know, from the the budgeting perspective of an athletic trainer, whether you're in a school or work for a company, what are some key terms athletic trainers should be familiar with from the budgeting perspective, from the financial perspective when managing that part of their business or that part of their services? So besides terms, I would uh, I'd focus highly on the process. Understand the process of whatever company or school uh, that you're working in what is their process? So if you're in, let's say a high school setting, mm -hmm. right? And maybe you're in your first year, so you're only a couple weeks in, into the fall season now, the athletic director's probably sitting down with the school board, the business department, and by mid to late October, he or she's gonna have to have their preliminary budget for the following school year mm -hmm. in place. And you're sitting there like, I don't even know what I'm using for fall as far as my supplies and my orders, let alone is this going to be enough to get me through winter and spring. Um, so again, that goes back to documentation early on. The first two years might be difficulty budget-wise for you because you have to go through that full cycle first. Yeah. But I think a lot of times, athletic trainers, we, we might miss the boat early because we're not prepared for budget requests in October. You know, We're trying to get through football, soccer. I mean, fall is yeah. just a chaotic time. Um, the fiscal year also ends July 1st. So what happens is at the end of the school year, right, athletic trainers, you start your summer, like early junior teams, you know, even if you go to state playoffs and all that, you're out the door first, second week of June. And meanwhile, the athletic department and the school budget, they're looking at what money's left over. And that's an opportunity I think a lot of athletic trainers miss out on because every athletic trainer is going to build in a cushion right, emergency funds for all their different sports teams. And at the end of the year, where does that money go? It's gonna go back to the general account and might spend it elsewhere. So if you have a big ticket item that you want, plant the seed early in the year mm -hmm. and say, hey, I don't know if there's gonna be leftover funds at the end of the year, but if there are, these are some things I would like to discuss with you about. And the beauty of it is, it takes Title IX out of the equation because our supplies benefit boys, girls, you know, the entire school community versus one specific program. That's a good point. So it's a leverage where it's low risk for them on where they put that money. Um, also understand how your maintenance department works. 
um, the school nurse because you can save money by doing group orders through them. Um, one of the great things, uh, I'll never forget, um, one of the schools I worked at, golf carts and the gators, mm -hmm. right? Every athletic trainer needs a golf cart yep. and a gator. But guess what? So does the maintenance uh, team, the ground crews going out doing the work and our security staff, we had a large parking lot, they needed to cruise around on it. So when it came time for whether it was purchasing new or servicing it, we split the cost among the different departments. So really sit down with your athletic director, know how the purchase order system works, when the orders are going in, when budgets are going to be set, and that way you can be ahead of the game versus them coming to you and say, hey, I need, my, I need your budget in two weeks. And then you kind of go into scramble mode. When you're doing that planning and you're, you're documenting everything and you're monitoring what you're using, sometimes athletic trainers have to make a judgment call on what their budget should be before they get a chance to experience that time frame. What are some good approaches to estimating your needs? Is there like a formula or is there certain resources they could use to try and determine what their, you know, if the, if the AD or the administrator comes to you your first month on the job and say, hey, budgets are due, what do you think, what do you yeah. think we should put in for next year? So with that, it comes down to um, reaching out, knowing your style, right? What you use. Are you a person that's going to tape every athlete that walks in the room? Or are you going to say, nope, we're going to try to rehab it, strengthen it. And if you want to go buy an ankle brace, you can go buy an ankle brace. So knowing your philosophy that way. But then also reaching out to your peers, right? We all have athletic trainers in our network that are in similar size schools, have similar size athletes. Um, just the athletic trainers within your conference, call them up, say, hey, what do you, can I see your budget? Like, how do you budget around um, your fiscal year? And then see if any of that applies to you. And, you know, it's taken a lot from a lot of different people and creating your own then that fits your, your, your unique situation. No, that's a, that's a great point. Leveraging your network to, to learn from each other is a valuable thing, whether it's the clinical side, but it's also the operating side as well what about the difference in terms of the different categories of budgets you know so there's capital expenses there's mm -hmm. annual operating expenses just from a, a layman's perspective what are some of the different types of budgets that athletic trainers might have to deal with or might have to be aware of sure i mean on the the capital side again that's your long term like big ticket items that are going to last several years um depending on the school that you're in or the company you're in ask them um, you know, what cycle am I in with that? Is it, okay, I want to get a good chunk of money in three years? Uh, because some will do that. They'll put aside a certain amount saying, okay, you know, we're going to take $10,000 and athletic training can do this this year. Just like they do for football uniforms. Every four years, we know football's up for new uniforms or mm -hmm. a soccer team, whatever it is. So ask them, you know, can I work that into my long-term budget? Uh, you know, you have your, your discretionary items, your tape, and things that are just going to, you know, you use it and it's gone, it's money out the window, <laughs> yeah. essentially. But, um, you know, that's your operating expenses. And that should be pretty consistent year to year. You know, you shouldn't have to fluctuate that amount too much. And, you know, those are the two big ones that I would generally tend to focus on first and making sure that you're on some type of rotation system uh, with the company or with the school. Great points, and that's something that I just remember, you know, in, in school we learned, we had one class on athletic training management, learned a lot in it, but you know, these are the things once you get into the real world, you don't always have the answers for, and, you know, 
those are great insights because you tend to learn that on your own or you get thrown into it. Young, you know, athletic trainer, your first job out of school, you just got licensed. No, you're a full-time athletic trainer at <laughs> school by yourself now. Figure it Figure out. It out. <laughs> um, so that's really important stuff. Let, let's wrap it up with some really immediate action steps. And let's, uh, we talked about personal, we talked about you know, professional. Uh, let's do two immediate action steps that everyone listening can do for their personal financial health. And then what is one immediate action step they could do from a professional perspective, whether it's their business or you know their athletic training room? Two in personal, one in professional. Sure. So if on the personal side, set the budget. You know, know your budget. And I try to start off with a 60-20-20 philosophy where 60% is going to your fixed expenditures, 20% is going to discretionary. So you can spend that however you want, whenever you want. And then 20% is going into buckets for your short-term, mid-term, and long-term um, savings. And then, with that being said, I would say have a conversation, whether it's with a financial planner that you already have, or if you don't have a financial planner, uh, find one and have that initial conversation because there's a lot of variables that go into this process. There's a lot of moving parts, and at the end of the day, you know, you can spend hours trying to put together a financial plan and trying to figure out what makes sense, what's the best for you. Most of the time with an hour conversation with a financial planner, you're going to have so much more education and knowledge that, that you can then make decisions off of moving forward. Um, on the business side, same thing. Have the conversation. Sit down with the athletic director. Sit down with the business department. Know how that process works and who the key stakeholders are in because at the end of the day, there's gonna be an emergency at some point. You know, that golf cart's gonna break down on you, yep. or athletes wanna walk away with all your crutches, you're not gonna have anything, and you're gonna need something. And if you have that relationship, it's a lot easier to go and ask for a little favor um, if you understand their process and know what objections they might come at you with. Great tips, really appreciate it, Matt. Um, it's been awesome getting to know you over the last couple of months. So on a little side note, actually, this is a, a great little lesson. Can you kind of tell the story about how we first met and how things kind of snowballed from there and yeah. got to this point here? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I first came across you on social media, you know, just on Facebook and LinkedIn, saw what you were doing for the profession. And again, this podcast is huge, you know, but you're looking at changing the profession, the innovative mindset, really um, bring in a whole area that is not really addressed commonly in the profession. So, you know, uh, thank you for what you're doing for the profession on that note. Thank you for saying that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, when I came across on social media, it's like, I got to meet this guy, sit down. So I sent the invite. Uh, you came back encountered with, hey, let's meet up. There's a, a good joint in Newtown. Uh, they have a, a, a tasty brew. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we sat down, we had a drink, we heard each other's stories. And within that first week, uh, you invited me to a symposium and ended up being a, uh, a fill-in guest speaker last minute. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history, man. Which was awesome. Like, yeah, you, you, uh, I invited you to the symposium that we hosted back in June. And a week and a half before, we had a, a family emergency from one of the presenters. And I was like, what topic can fit into this whole symposium, which was all about self-care for athletic training? I'm going to call Matt. <laughs> Talk about financial stuff, and it actually ended up being a hit. And you you came in in the last minute and saved the day. And I, I was grateful for for you stepping into that great presentation. Um, and since then, you know, we've, we've kept in touch, and it's it's pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, thanks for thanks for reaching out and taking that step. I think that's a good lesson. Is that if you have someone you want to chat with, 
reach out, you yeah. know, and just say hi. Hopefully a lot of people in our, in our profession will be receptive to having that conversation with other professionals in or out of our network, younger professionals, more seasoned. I learn from you, you learn from me, that's how we grow. And uh, just sometimes you gotta just take that step and do it and slide, you know, slide into their DMs, <laughs> you know, or, or send them an email and introduce yourself because you never know where it's gonna go. So again, uh, thank you for taking the time today, really appreciate it, great stuff. Uh, last thing, if someone wants to reach out to you or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, honestly, my phone is on 24 seven. You know, shoot me a text or give me a call. Uh, my number is 215-595-7132. Um, I also, you know, I have email, I have my business page, uh, website. You can reach out to me that way. But I think nowadays we hide behind the computer too much. And, you know, don't hesitate just to pick up the phone and give me a call. Absolutely. And all of Matt's uh, information will be in the, the content section of this uh, recording. So great job, Matt. Good stuff. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, yeah, Ryan. thanks for taking some time. Sounds good, man. Wow, that was a fantastic conversation, and I really hope you found some value in it. I know I definitely did, and uh, it's not something we always want to think about or enjoy thinking about when it comes to our finances, especially maybe early in our career or when we're going through some rough times, um, but it's definitely something that we need to make a priority, and uh, thank you, Matt, for, for sharing those great tips. Again, really appreciate all of you listening to this. Please take some time, share this message with just one other athletic trainer or someone in your professional network that you feel could value from listening to this. Welcome your comments. Search us on Instagram and Twitter at CatalyzingATS or, you know, find me on social media, Ryan Stevens. I'm, I'm all over that as well, too. And uh, I would love to keep that conversation going. If you haven't already, again, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and please, especially on iTunes, give it that five-star rating and give some feedback because that's really how others are going to find this more. Um, we want to really try and get this athletic training podcast out there to as many athletic trainers as we can. And uh, really, it's been an exciting journey and I look forward to bringing more to you. That being said, I wish you all the best this upcoming week. I hope everything continues to, to work in a, in a good way for you. And always remember that you, everything you do, continue to pursue mastery. Make sure you're acting with purpose and you're definitely going to make an impact. Have a great day.